Welcome to Looking Ahead to Beto Days. I am Chris, your host. Um, I'd like to first introduce our debate team, um, Dan. Hi. And Hannah. Hello. I brought them both back on the show so that we could discuss the second debates. But before we do that, I'm going to bring you a little bit of a plug from the campaign. Um, Beto's campaign is asking for anybody who can to host a watch party. And what I mean by that is um, Beto gave a speech on Thursday, Thursday morning, um, where he addressed uh, what had happened in El Paso, his, his new trajectory for his campaign. It was incredibly moving. Um, I mean, it just it, it was probably one of the better speeches that he has given. And we're trying to bring that to a wider audience. So if you're able to either host a watch party at your house or some venue, or you're able to attend a watch party, the campaign is asking that you hold one of these events from either we're, they're looking for anywhere between August 19th and August 31st to hit as many people as possible. Um, it, it'd be a huge help to the campaign and it'll be definitely a huge help, um, to Beto as we drive the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the march to the end of the primaries and the march to the presidency. We need as many people, um, behind this movement as possible, but, uh, now we can get into the meat of the discussion and that is the second debate. Now it's been a little bit of time since the second debate. A lot of stuff has happened, and it is really, really hard to look at the the second debate in the shadow of El Paso and Dayton. Um, the The trajectory of the entire campaign trail was not, you know, it, it was healthcare. Um, healthcare seemed to be the big thing. Um, and you know, while they called out Donald Trump, they were very, very you know, they were very, I felt like the candidates were kind of soft in how they did it. And they, they, they were really, really, they kind of like picked their shots and all of that has gone out the window. Um, so with that being said, um, let's jump right into the second debate. So like, who do, who do we feel won that debate? Who had the best showing? Uh, just jump in here. Let's, let's, let's get this thing going. Dan, Dan, we you know what we'll go with you first. Who do you think won that debate? I think the standpoint of where he was sitting at the time, I think it was Cory Booker. Uh, he seemed prepared, polished, poised. He attacked Biden. Um, he did it in a pretty successful way. Um, he came across as somebody who's been struggling in the polls. Um, I'm not sure how much he shot up, but he showed that he is somebody who's capable of bringing the message you know, to the greater good, um, to the public. Um, you know, so, and he was a... The second night, correct? He was indeed the second night. The second night was actually kind of interesting. The first night was kind of like three weeks or more. It's 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 been it's been a minute. Um, El Paso happened, and then everything's been the focus on that. I mean, which again was our last episode. We had to change up every uh, like the order of how we were doing the episodes as a result. Um, Obviously, you know, you got to do what you've got to do. Um, it was the second night. The first night was a little bit more subdued. Cor- I'm, I'm glad you brought up Cory Booker because when Cory Booker is giving his introductory speech, some um, oh yeah, him and Biden, right? Uh, him, the, there were protesters that were shouting at them. They were shouting "Fire Pantaleo," um, which wasn't at Cory Booker. It was actually at de blasio uh bill de blasio the mayor of, of new york city because of the cop who choked and killed eric garner um 
you know, you saw a lot of that. There was somebody who had shouted out earlier on in the show. You saw a little bit more activity in, in the crowd, which I think kind of set the tone for the rest of the night. Um, I, I felt you definitely saw them getting, they were all more agitated as a result. Um, Cory Booker tried to go through his, his, his intro, but, you know, he had to stop and then restart. So that kind of throws off your, your, trajectory as a candidate and Anna, I, who I'm do not going to plug uh, Corey I mean yes we're from the same state so you know go New Jersey <laughs> but it, it showed that he you know, his poise is he stopped he said I'm not doing with this bullshit yeah, and they get, get this guy out of the out of the crowd and I'll go on I think I forget who it was might have been Tapper was trying to get him to go on he's like no no so it shows you you know he's, that's, you're looking for that kind of poise in a candidate uh, absolutely say, absolutely crap, and I'm moving on Absolutely. Um, Hannah, who do you think had the best night? You know, literally right now, sitting here and thinking about it, I want to say that the Republican Party won these debates. Ooh, interesting. That's a that's a bit of a hot take. Go because ahead. Because if you... Like, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> no. Every candidate, every one of the quote-unquote major contenders... Biden, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, all of these people made it a point to bring up, let's stop using these Republican talking points. Mm-hmm. But they continue, but every candidate continued to hit on all of these things that Republicans are taking and twisting and making it about them and what or what Democrats are doing wrong. There's still so much infighting, and I think that's partially because you know we are still a year away. Um, that I think that anything that is coming across now is just giving more fuel to that right fire. I, I can absolutely. I have. I respect that point of view. Um, that is definitely unique that's interesting i hadn't thought about that because you don't think about you think about which candidate did the best but that's a really good take um because you see and i've been saying it, especially with medicare for all and that being at the time like the big talking point um you know that's a that's that's one of those things that people on the right really don't like or in terms of immigration where they've brought up and hit on you know are you for open borders if you're if for anything that looks like open borders that's going to be a big problem in swing states in swing voters and those voters that you can get to go one direction or another and those are big topics so that's a that's a really good point because I, I i noticed that too they all said um they all kind of they, know, they said, said we have to stop using these Republican talking points, which is hard because they're Republican talking points for a reason because they're they're issues that are so divergent of each other that it's hard to steer away from them without alienating that topic. Exactly. Exactly. And the, 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 the Republicans actually are really, really effective, at least with the their, their base in twisting the words of of, you know, of Democrats to mm-hmm. fit their base. And you they're giving them those sound bites. You know, everybody talks about sound bites, but they don't talk about who they're giving the sound bites to. So uh, that, that's a really, really great point. So who do you think 
had a bad night. Like who who were you expecting more from, from that you didn't really see it? Let me take this one first. Or yeah, go ahead, Dan. Well, definitely, I think I mentioned her last time was, was Kamala Harris. She kind of got slapped around by Tulsi Gabbard, um, and and she 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 came back after the um at the spin room portion after the debate and said, "Well, I'm not going to be bullied by somebody who who cows to uh, the like, Assad and the uh, dictators." But where's that during the debate? You know, exactly. People aren't watching. Like most people don't watch that after the after show like I do. Um, but then again, I run a podcast that pertains to politi- politics. I mean, I kind of push back on that a little bit. Tulsi Gabbard kind of tried to twist around um, when she was talking about her. Oh, man. Her, her, her record? No, 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 not her prosecution record. That one she did kind of get 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 on talking about her her health care plan and how i i believe it was her health care plan and I, I think you're right and whoever wrote or helped write the obamacare plan like co-signed didn't write but co-signed on on kamala harris's plan and tulsi gabbard kind of said kind of i don't know if she misspoke or was misinformed but kamala harris jumped right back at her and told her no no she didn't write it. She approved it and said that it was good. So I don't think she's, I don't think Kamala Harris is letting her completely run her over, but she did kind of get her with her prosecution record for sure. Yeah. And that, and that prosecution record is going to be a real problem down the road. I think um, that's, that seems to be one of those, those bugaboos. But I mean, in, in July of, 2019 that stuff isn't a big shouldn't shouldn't necessarily it should be policy now right now is what they, sh- they should be selling us their policy you're right but at the same time every, most politicians have made mistakes yeah you know it's, it's part of the reason why trump appealed to voters because he has no record i mean if i'm sorry he has a record of two and a half years of complete bullshit but you know he has he was a he was a businessman and not a very good one mm-hmm. you know you know people like Obama, the Bushes—they've all been politicians. Clinton, they've had to overcome their issues. People do he, it. He hasn't made decisions that have altered yeah. policy, or because well, he's not altered. a politician. Exactly, and that's yeah. exactly what Dan's saying. And I and I and I, I agree I, with that. I get that. So, as an overall entity like how do we feel about these? I can I can tell you one thing that that bugged me, me. and. Yeah. Who is mo- so whoever's moving? Not me. My thing moved. I didn't move. Hannah, can you mute? No. Hello. I'm gonna sign back into the computer. All right. So I'll edit that too. Okay. All right. Um. So one of the big things that really bothered me with this debate was kind of I and. I know we gave her a really, 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 really hard time last time and dark mystic or dark cosmic forces, all that. that shit's funny. But how they they, 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 I feel like they were very disrespectful to, to Marianne Williamson um, to the point that like she even said, but you better come back to me this time. Like you shouldn't have to do that. And you see a lot of the focus being on the big guns. Like, yeah, you guys kind of um, y'all, y'all, y'all made it to the debate stage. It's cute this time. 
But we're going to talk to the people who are actually going to matter. The, 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 you see a lot of the media and the, the people doing this writing off those other candidates and not focusing on them. There are people – they are there for a reason. Like somebody donated to them. If I was donating to a candidate and my candidate made it on the stage and then nobody talked to them, Here's I'm going to be upset about that. that Here's the issue I take with that though. Marianne Williamson was saying some really good things, some really generic things. Well, yeah, she right? pivots. Yeah, but you, you're going, you're doing a disservice to. I mean, honestly, full disclosure, I think these debates in general right now are kind of a disservice because they're. Oh, I agree. It's preach just, just a preach. Yeah, it's just kind of a shit show right now. But I think you're doing a disservice to the vast majority of the voting public if you honestly if you you don't focus on these people that are doing higher in the polls because and, and, you need to see that information and a lot of what what Marianne Williams Williamson is saying is she's saying this and she's saying that and she's making these things sound wonderful but she's not backing it up with any policy well, she's not backing backing it up of much of anything, and don't don't get me wrong. I'm I'm my my defense of her is definitely just based upon treatment, not on but my belief also, in her policy. But, but it's a debate, and everybody's done that. You you have seen every single person get cut off. You have seen every single mediator say, "Please abide by the rules" to everybody. The- and that's and that's true. That's true. But I'm talking about the amount of time that they're they're being provided, the amount of times that they're calling on it. When it seems like they're calling on Elizabeth Warren four or five times, and then oh man, oh we forgot about Tim Ryan. I think it seems like they're calling on Elizabeth Ryan, Elizabeth Ryan, Elizabeth <laughs> Warren four or five times because if you get called out in somebody else's, like you're allowed to respond when you are named. And I think that everybody is naming Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, I think everybody is naming those people because they are the front runners. So I think that what looks like a skew in, 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 in showing or letting these four candidates talk more, I think it's a product of because they are the front runners and everybody else around them has to compete with what they're saying and they have to call them out to tell them to tell the public why their plan is better than Bernie's plan. Their plan is better than Joe Biden's plan. So they're getting called out. So they're getting more screen time because by the rules of the debate, they get to respond. No, and that's and, and that's a fair assessment. And, and you know, just like I said, not to it's you're right. There's too many people on stage. There's too many voices and it's hard to get to everyone. I just would like them to find a little bit more of an equal way of doing it. Like I said, I'm not There's in no any way, way shape in this or moment. form. No, and, and you're right. And that's and that's the problem. And if you're going to do it that way, don't let them don't put them on the stage. I mean, what are what are they doing there? And at you'll have point, you'll have people say any debates. I think at this point there just needs to be town halls. Exactly, and, there's, and there's that's nothing a, thank to debate you. right now because we can't. Nobody knows what the hell anybody stands for because we're too busy trying to say why somebody why what somebody what another candidate stands for is wrong. I don't exactly know what you stand for. Like it took me until rewatching the debates tonight to understand what Beto meant about the keeping that provision in the law to not criminalize crossing the border illegally. Like 
when I first heard that, I was like, I was trying to process it in my own brain and say, I mean, these people are coming for all of these reasons and to, you know, throw a criminal, a criminal charge on them. I just feel like that's adding insult to injury at this point. But in listening to him actually having a chance to explain it in that debate and not really picking up on it until I rewatched it tonight, having him explain, well, yeah, we're going to keep that provision in there because we're going to make the process for coming to this country not necessarily easier, but we're going to open that and give give the, these people coming the, the proper ways to get through, which they're not getting right now. So if you're crossing the border illegally after we do all of this, then yeah, you're probably here for some nefarious, like there's a reason you don't want people to know that you're here. Exactly. And that's not, that's not open borders. That's, yeah. that's, per, uh, and that's, that's, that's an, oh, that is the best way to do it. But bringing um, it back to what we're talking about is he had that moment to actually explain that without somebody trying to interject or without him having to defend anything else or without him trying to disprove somebody else. That's what needs to be in front of us right now, not these debates. And exactly. that could have come out and that would have come out in a town hall forum or however you want to do it, just any kind of question and answer or just get up and talk to me for two hours about each and every one of your policies. That's what we need right now. We don't need this constant back and forth because nobody like I, I am probably the typical American. I'm not going to go and read people's policies, at least not right now because 10-month-old job, school, all of these things that I've got going on, I'm not doing that. So I'm relying on these public forums like this to, to inform myself. So this, I feel like that's the route most Americans are taking right now because... The vast majority of them, I yeah. would agree, yes. So I think these debates in general are doing a disservice to everybody involved. The candidates, the viewers... The freaking moderators who just look frustrated the entire time. Oh yeah, no, they do not <laughs> look like they're having a good time at all. And that's a, and that's a really good point. And as we get into the September and the October debates, um, it looks like the field is going to shrink a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I believe only six candidates have uh, have qualified. I think there might be seven, but it's not it's no one of seven. It's it's definitely not more than seven. Um, I I cannot for the life of me think of who the the seventh one is. And don't get me started on Tom Steyer, because I I I have many a feeling about that man. And I'm pretty sure anybody who donated to his um, impeached Trump pack, all of that money went straight into his campaign. I mean, he's a billionaire, anyways. So did I write about him last time? But he should put his money towards the the Senate and the uh, House seats and any any and our future nominee. I, th- I think so because last time he was talking about it, now he's officially doing it, and you know that's a that's just not where that money is best served, got, and especially a, in a deep Koch, race. We have the Koch brothers and who's other the other assholes who who fund the Republicans. The, the Koch brothers is all I, I really they, hear uh, about. Who who you know have pockets? They literally funnel money to the Republican, no matter how terrible the policies are. We yeah, they, they they don't care. We need we need we we. I'm not one for PAC money, but if you want to donate your money and you, and you want your money to go to this cause, don't kind of like wrap that around you in in that speak, especially now at this late stage when the, the field is this deep. 
I get, I, I totally feel you on that. Um, and that, and that's been the problem with this debate and the, the two, as far as I'm concerned, the past two debates are completely irrelevant because the, the world changed on August 3rd. It just, it really did. Um, when that happened, you saw a shift in everybody and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to plug Beto on this one for sure, because he is the one that absolutely has, has caused that shift. Um, because of how he's handled um, El Paso, you've seen a completely um, different Beto. Um, I mean, we were watching his portion of the debate today, and he looked uncomfortable. You know, he he was much better. He's much more direct. He was much more um, concise. He got all of his points in in the allotted time. He didn't talk over, but he still seemed uncomfortable. And then El Paso happened, and it's like somebody knew. And the, I feel like the entire field has kind of followed him. What was that? That was me, sorry. It's okay. I'll edit that out. I flew out of my ear back. It's all good. It's all good. We, we run an amateur podcast here. It's it's completely okay. Any, anyways, <laughs> I, I might not even edit that out because it's not for, funny. You strive for the best, but... Yeah, we, we, I'm sorry. Money. We don't have CNN money or all those other guys. <laughs> yeah, we're we're regular people. Although in a basement on a computer and crappy headphones. <laughs> I'm in my in-law's house. <laughs> so, you know, you've seen them kind of ride his coattails because as soon as Beto came out and said, Donald Trump is a racist, Donald Trump is a white supremacist, he's the problem, he is where I'm going, that is where I'm doing. I'm going to fight and die to beat that man no matter what it takes you know, not running for this, just everybody else has kind of followed him on that. I mean, they were all in Iowa. He went from El Paso last Thursday to Mississippi to Arkansas. Like, dude went to a gun show the day after saying that he wants to ban all assault rifles. He showed up at a gun show and was talking to the dealers. And I know this is off topic right now because we're talking about the debates, but that's that's the that just shows you how pointless these debates are. They're not going to tell us anything. Well, Nothing. Go, it can change in a second. Go ahead, Dan. See, I well, kind of with Hannah's points. I think Beto is at his best when he's out in the quote unquote wild. Yeah. When he's when he's you know that's with the with the the, um, the Kaepernick question from the uh, Senate campaign with the, the kneeling. You know, whether he gave a very passionate, you know, coherent answer when he off the cuff, you know, lambasted Trump for you know the sorry, the media for the uh, way they handled Trump. You know, when he goes to these shows, you know, who would think to go to a gun show when you're a Democrat from Texas? That's a pretty genius move, in my opinion. You know, he just, you know, he need, he's at his best when he's on social media, when he's in a town, when he's one-on-one or, you know, meeting people. You know, I, unfortunately, he has his issues for whatever reason when he's in a debate setting. You know, but he needs that, you know, and as Conor says, that, you know, some people, you know, at this point, why should he be debating? Why should we, it should be out in, in the wild doing what you do best? Exactly. And that, that that kind of brings up an interesting point with the debates, right? Especially right now, like we're going to learn more from the candidates, not on a debate stage, but with the work they're doing and not necessarily through actual debates on a stage, but through social media, like everybody, like the big push nowadays, it's not 19, uh, you know, it's 1960. You know, we don't we don't have or 1959 when when we have JFK and Richard Nixon up on stage and they literally the 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 tide of that election swayed to to Kennedy because he looked younger. You know, they put makeup on him. Nixon wouldn't have makeup on that. That changed that election that those debates 
change the election. I thought the makeup started melting off of his face. He was sweating. That, there was something. Yeah. There's something yeah. wrong with him. He looked he looked real not good. Well, real, real not good. You're next I mean, to that's... a Kennedy. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're standing, and you're standing next to a young John Kennedy. Let's let's be serious. Like, mm. but nowadays we have social media. Like, uh, Beto said something about. Um, let me let me go ahead and pull this up. This is this came on again after El Paso. Like I said, everything's kind of changed. Um, he tweeted out, um, "If I'm president." Excuse me. In in Arkansas, I listened to gun owners and sellers and appreciated hearing their perspectives. But as the plan we released yesterday says, if I'm president, you wouldn't be able to buy weapons of war for three ninety five. You wouldn't be able to buy them at all. And the NRA retweeted it because you know, of course, they would. Um, if I'm president, in quotes, Beto, have you taken a look at the polls? And Beto clapped right back at him. He said, yeah, I've seen them. 70% of Americans support an assault uh, weapons ban, including most Republicans. That right there, it has way more sway on voters than a debate's going to have right now. So to Hannah's point, that's, that's, she's a thousand percent right. But how much does that say about future, future debates? I mean, yes, they have to get up there and perform, but we have we're we have a connection to these candidates in a different way. And that's that kind of takes me to here. It's like, you know, we talk about needing a, a candidate that can beat Donald Trump. We have we talk about having a candidate that can hold their own against Donald Trump on a debate stage because there will be a debate between the Republican nominee and the Democratic nominee. And whoever that Democratic nominee is needs to be able to hold their own against Donald Trump on the debate stage. And I'm honestly, I'm not sure that many of them could at this point. Yeah, woe be unto the person that has to be in the room with Beto and Donald Trump if that happens because he's... I mean, well, and that's what I said really earlier. fighting hard. That's what I said earlier. Like, I'm I'm excited to see Beto on the next camp on the next debate because he does seem more impassioned and more more more. I don't want to say riled up, but he seems they're letting seems Beto be Beto. Confident. Yeah, he seems more confident in himself and his ability now than I think he has in the past. And I, I'm just hoping that that translates onto a debate stage and not I'll, just in the wild, which yeah, is a I great can t- way to put it, Dan. I, I, yeah, it's a great way to put it. I can, I can guarantee you Beto doesn't give a fuck about any of that right now. Um, he just really doesn't. You I can tell it. That, and that's great. And I'm, and I hope he keeps this calm, cool and collected, you know, as you said it, and as I'm sure we'll get to shortly, the fuck Donald Trump world tour. Like, I'm all about it, but it has to also translate to this more structured thing because because that is how people are going to get their information. People are going to solely, there is going to be a giant tract of people that only get their information from these televised debates. 
and, and 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 that's that's true. Not everybody is on social media. Not to take. I mean, social media is a giant. I can social media helped lead to Donald Trump in, in the first place. Um, I I believe that because people. He tweeted crazy shit. He's still tweeting crazy shit. <laughs> and, but I and people are like, a yeah. Lot of people, in a second. <laughs> I guarantee you a lot of those people only know about the crazy shit he's tweeting is because they're they're hearing it on the news. That's true. And and anybody who wins, be it Beto, be it Elizabeth Warren, Sanders, Andrew Yang, any of them, whoever wins this is not just going up against Donald Trump. We keep saying, you know, they've got to beat Donald Trump. They've got to beat Donald Trump. That That's not true. That's not true because they don't just have to beat Trump. They have to beat the machine that is Donald Trump paired with the fucking uh, NRA, the Fucking Fox News and the fucking GOP. That's How many fucks the, was that? A lot. <laughs> I mean, because it's true because nobody thinks about that. Right? You, it's just we got to beat Trump. We got to beat Trump. We got to beat Trump. But you I can't just. I, like, I consider it all one entity at this point. So That, that, that is very true. It is, it's very much the, the, uh, like the Trump war machine. Yeah. But it's not just the singular human. He, he's going to say something and Fox News is going to jump on it. I mean, when you have to, and we talked about this on the gun control episode, when you have people out there like Tucker Carlson telling people that white supremacy is a hoax. And just blatantly lying to people and people buy into it because they've been sucked down this rabbit hole. So whoever is is whoever is going to have to run against Donald Trump is going to be in it for the fight of their life. It, it's it, it's as simple as that. You can tell me that he is low in the polls in all the states and anybody who runs will kick his ass all over the country. It's just you can't hang your hat on that. You can't phone it in because that's what we did in 2016 and you can see where we're at right now in 2019. I think right now where we stand, if he keeps this up, I'm not saying he's going to win, he has a shot of calling out the bullshit. Of you know, John Stewart used to call Fox News bullshit mountain. I'm sure he still does. However, he is today in his, on his animal farm. But you got to fight through that BS. You got to, you know, him, between him and Warren are the two best at doing that. Of calling out the bullshit, of fighting through and saying there's not what's right. Going on, this is what's correct. This is what's going on, you know, and not letting them get away with the crap. You know, the NRA is different. And the NRA is so full of shit that it's obnoxious to throw around. Oh, it, it's it's definitely it's it's they're circling the drain yeah, to yeah. to quote Scrubs. <laughs> if you want to, you know, I saw this special last night for a couple minutes about NRA. Apparently, all the money, the dues you pay, fund your Wayne LaPierre's wardrobe in his house in Texas. Oh yeah, no, like they the their spending is is yeah. just egregious, and people are finding out about it. And there's so much infighting, so that thing as an entity is definitely on its way out, and they're they're definitely le- leading influence. And we touched on, like I said, we touched on this the last episode. Um, but I'm just, I, I re- we really need to make the point that it's not just Donald Trump, mm-hmm. because Donald Trump doesn't get anywhere if Fox News and the GOP. And the NRA and place things like that don't elevate him. If he didn't have those other three things, he'd just be a crazy guy yelling on the internet. Oh, that Donald Trump, he's saying that crazy shit again. That's what it would be. Instead, it's holy shit, he's going to get us all killed. Holy shit, 22 people just died in El Paso because some crazy person decided it'd be a good idea because Donald Trump said, you know, when somebody says, uh, what do you do about him? You shoot him and you giggle and laugh and you don't stop him and only in the panhandle. That's how fucking people die. 
he's a crazy uncle at, at the dinner table who says random shit that you say, oh, he got to go to freaking home. But then yeah, but no. he's, oh, he's president. <laughs> he's yeah, fucking he's, running the free he world. Is, he's running the free world. And, <laughs> you know, he we um, we should have put him in a home years ago. <laughs> They've got... I'd say they've got the money, but I don't even believe that. I don't know. I think that you're giving too much. I don't think you're giving enough credit to the power of his, his just of him personally in his mouth because of his mouth. He said, yeah, of yeah, his mouth, of Donald Trump's mouth. He, I, I don't think that every single Donald Trump voter voted because he had the backing of the NRA. I don't think that every single Donald Trump voter voted for him because of what they saw on Fox News. I think that there are a large portion of Donald Trump voters that voted for him because he promised these things. He promised a better economy and however true or untrue his, his business record is, it, he ha- he could spout it, and it was it was enough. His mouth was enough. Uh, yeah, to and a his point. mouth is enough. His mouth was enough in other aspects too of you know making racism okay. But it's true. I think I, I I agree that you know he is backed by the NRA and Fox News and the GOP, and without them, he isn't where he is. But I don't think that you're giving him enough credit for him as a person, as a completely shitty person as he may be. But he said the right things and promised the right things. Well, I, I mean, and that's and that's true. But, you know, again, without these outlets like Donald Trump says it, but Fox News amplifies it like you see i think her name's ronna mcdaniel i really don't know her name i just think of her as the as the just super nasty gop chair because she's just uh, she's a horrible person i mean like to be fair like whether she believes this or not she's been putting and she's got the job like she's got has to have the shittiest job in the world because donald trump says something crazy and then she has to back it. it yeah she has to try to spin it I mean, it, even as the party, whether they believe it or not, and you see the same thing in 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 um, the congressmen in in Congress, like the random Republicans, and you start you see them starting to fall off now. You know, Will Hurd just left. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tie themselves completely to his sinking ship. So, I mean, those things are important, and and we're right. We, he is important. But we can't have a candidate go in and um, just think that they just have to beat Donald Trump because it's just not it's not going to be that, especially when you have people, you know, spinning what he says. But how do you you how do you launch an attack on Fox News? How do you launch an attack on you don't the Republican Party? Yeah, you you can't. You got to attack what he's lied about that. If we go into recession, hopefully it does not happen. That would be terrible for a lot of Americans. But he made these promises. He cut taxes for the riches of Americans and we're not seeing jack shit and yeah. he's starting trade wars that are not are affecting the you know the average Americans and to show them he made these boisterous he's said 10,000 or whatever more, even more than that lies you know do you want this for the next four years of our lives you want something different we're actually trying to help you where we Democrats have a history of trying at least trying to help 
we might get stopped by the Republicans in Congress, by the fucking Mitch McConnells of the world. But we're going to, you know, have policy that hopefully try to help the middle Americans. But you also can't say, you know, you can't pull term and say, oh, you're better, you know, your life sucks, blah, blah, blah. You got to show them how their life could be better. Try to find that message. That That's true. That is, that is 100% true. And I think this brings it back to Hannah's point, actually, about the debates and how well they're important. Because when they're on the stage with Donald Trump, they need to call him out, call him on his lies, like line of questioning. Ask him, like make him answer these questions because once he's in front of the pe- in front of everybody and he gets to the point because he can't defend himself, he's not a smart man on his feet. All he's going to do is call names, and at some point in time, uh, calling names and people will catch up on the fact that it, it'll be like, yeah, man, he called uh, he called Beto a loser or Beta or whatever or you know all of these things. And, you know, I shouldn't use this Southern accent, but that's what's what I know because I'm related to it. <laughs> so that's what that's that. what I that's what I hear in my head, because it's not just there. It's not just Southerners. There are people all over this country. I mean, there are people all over the world. The guy in New Zealand. So, I mean, to that point, do you think that it will be not necessarily easy, but do you think that it's uh, like, do you think that where the Democratic candidates stand now do you think that they would be able to they would be able to hold their own on a debate stage with donald trump it, it really depends on the candidate i one and this you can say bias all you want but i just i see that if if i wasn't a beto fan i would be paying attention i would be i i i, I, I would point, be at this point i would be concerned about beto just losing his shit on donald trump and, and, and everything <laughs> getting i mean rightfully so i mean I would love to see it, but I would be worried that he would be too emotionally fired up about it. And I think that. I think that's when he's at his best. Yeah, but on a debate stage, you can't, you can't. What he did in that interview was good, but on a debate stage, you got to be able to be somewhat cool and calm. Yeah, you have to be able to keep a, a conscious train of thought and not just. You know, want to lash out? No, I get yeah. that. And I, th- I, th- I, th- I th- and 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 I, I think he, I think he would. Um, truthfully, um, I think Kamala Harris is. If we're going into a line of questioning, um, I think that it would be definitely be Harris because she's going to trip him up. Mm-hmm. She's gonna, she's gonna trip him. She's gonna, she's gonna, she'll, she'll, she will make. He will be his own worst enemy. Um, in in that case, do you think that's um, the key to? Uh, Democrat being successful in a debate with Donald Trump is getting him to a point where he 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 just doesn't know the answer. Exactly. You have people like you have to get him on things that they did not prepare him for. Mm-hmm. And you have to and you have to go away from the his talking points. Take him somewhere else. He's going it, to it, it's really it's going to be a line of questioning and you're going to have to trip him up because at some point he's not going to be able to explain. Has he ever had that policy point? No, he's never ever, been able ever? to. But we you haven't seen any, anybody take him to that point. Well, I know it won't make a difference to his thirty-eight percent, whatever base. But I, you think it'll affect? You know, obviously, I know. And, and sorry, sixteen. Clinton won the debates. Clearly, she knew better job than I liked her or not. You know, is there any difference if it's say Elizabeth Warren was debates and clearly stressed him up because she's smarter than him and a good debater? I mean, it's 
the Hillary Clinton 2016 campaign is it's a little bit more yeah. difficult and hard. You can win those debates, and she rightfully won those debates. Out leading up to um, the election night, Donald Trump was a um, he was a long shot. You, but you know who 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 people forgot to ask and forgot to pay attention to? Awesome. Uh, the people, the people, like they didn't actually pay attention. Like you talk about the rich, like people were left out and that's what happened. She didn't go to Wisconsin. Like you said, she didn't go to all of these places. You can't just write people off. And again, bragging it back to Beto, that's why it's so important when you have somebody who's willing to go anywhere and everywhere. And that's why his, his, one of the guys that was in there that was interviewed that they, they left out and the reporter put it up on Twitter was he said, you know, that guy's got balls that that takes big balls for that. Like when I saw that come across, I was like, wow, like that's, that's, that's what we need. Every, and all of the candidates are going to have to do that. They're going to have to talk to people that they wouldn't normally see themselves talking to. And, and they, they're going to have to be able to find common ground with those people. And I, and honestly, and again, I, I know I'm a supporter. I know I'm a volunteer and my podcast is named for him. I just don't see anybody doing that better than Beto. I really don't. But you're not going to win the Trump based voters. You want to get back the Ronnie Clinton, you know, Trump, uh, sorry, Ronnie Obama, uh, Clinton, Clinton Trump voters. Once you flip flop votes in the last few years, yeah. I don't think you're not, you're not going to flip your, your Chris, your, your family who probably loves and lives and dies with Trump. As I go into Southern Afton here, yeah. <laughs> well, well, and, and that's true. You're not, and, and and his base is 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 a pretty large number. But you, I mean, you're. Yeah, but anybody, any, you're seeing any people peel off. You could put Trump. You could put a Bush. You could put um, uh, 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 Cruz, God forbid, or Rubio. They're going to win states that no Democrat's going to win. You know. It's, well, yeah, and that's a great point that I love that Beto brought up in in. Uh, this last debate is, you know, he's like, there's a new battleground state, y'all. It's Texas. Texas and yeah. there's, what, 35, 38? 38. 38 electoral votes going towards it. So mm-hmm. I think. Uh, you should fight Texas, but like the Alabama. Yeah. Like, those states you're not going to. Those are tough. I mean, Doug Jones Georgia won in Alabama. Say, Georgia's, Georgia, uh, Georgia's Georgia? an interesting state. Yeah. And you've got Doug that. Jones living in out, living, winning in Alabama. So uh, that's I, that's trust me, I lived in Alabama. I lived in freaking as rural as you can get Alabama. And they didn't vote for uh, Doug Jones, those people. I would not be surprised if some of them, because. Well, Roy Moore was the worst candidate you could ever possibly run in an election. Yeah. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. And but, George yeah. Wallace ran for president. <laughs> True story. And, and, and that's why George is interesting. And I think Georgia can go blue. And here's how I think it happens. And like I said, I'm bringing it right back to, to Beto. I know Stacey Abrams has said that, you know, she's not running for president, but she's never said that she wouldn't, you know, jump in to be a, a vice presidential candidate. She said I think she, she'd be. She said she would. She said if. She said she she was on NPR today, yeah. today, yesterday. I saw, I saw okay. her recent interview. Yeah, she said, you know, I'm definitely not running for elected office, but if is the vice presidency considered elected office? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so right now she's trying to get you know the voter suppression and yeah, uh, yeah. She's Georgia. trying to take care of that. She said Literally. she's not. She's not running for Senate. She's not running for the House. She's not running for president. But she has a group of 
candidate that if they asked her to be their running mate, then she would absolutely say yes. And I know her and Beto have been in in a lot of contact. And just imagine if you have a Democrat who wins Texas and Georgia. Mm-hmm. It, it would change American politics. Yeah. As it stands, it would change American politics for generations. I mean, it, it's just astounding. It's completely possible. Yeah. It's 100% possible. You just have to have the right candidates and the right pairs. And you have you can't have divisive candidates. And and that's how I see somebody like a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren in this whole Medicare for all thing, um, because you're going to have people who don't want to give up their primary insurance. Now, I know we've got we're going to go away from that. And, and, and Beto has touched on it as well. He said, you know, healthcare is still important. He said it today on on Chuck Todd. He said, you know, healthcare is still important. We still need to make sure these people are are taken care of. That I'm not I'm not forgetting that. But this is this this is where we're pushing. Like he said, he went to. Um, to Mississippi, he met with some of the people who were impacted by the the ice raid down there. Then he went to Arkansas. He was in Oklahoma before we started recording. States he will never win in the general. I guess primary needs those those states. I, I mean, yeah. See, I I just those are those will be the most interesting ones. I think the 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 Southern Belt minus. Um, Georgia, because I feel like if you throw Abrams on the tickets, it's in play. If you put Beto on the ticket, um, Texas is in play. But it's those other states, I mean, it, it'll never happen. But could could you imagine? Imagine if the, everybody went blue. It's literally. I mean, it's Im- completely improbable. Yes. But what would that say about what kind of indictment of the of the um, of the Republican Party would that be? I, I think it's. I don't know. I think it's, un- it's unfeasible. It's not going to happen. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 I mean, but I mean, if you have even 35 or 40 of the states go blue, I, it's still an indictment I of the think uh, we, I think current state. We Possible. need to be very cautious in the whole, what does that say about the Republican Party? I After Donald Trump is out of office, the Republican Party is still going to exist and there are still going to be members of Congress that are at their core Republican and not this new disgusting version of Republican that we see as being, or that has been made to be okay now. Yeah. As a, as a result of Donald Trump, I don't think the average Republican is is like that at all no yeah so i just think it's i don't i i think it's really dangerous to say well what does that say about republicans what does that say about the republican party because it's still going to exist and it's still going to you know you're still going to need to coexist well you don't want to have one you're not gonna have one political party oh no absolutely not that would be terrible for the country and and i would hope that if the if there is a Big blue, obviously Alabama and those states are not going to win. But like you have like the all the states that uh, Clinton lost, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, flip back blue, Carolina, um, Georgia, Georgia, Florida, they flip Texas. I would hope that the Republicans stop kowtowing to a a, a leader. You know, mm-hmm. not being afraid to call it the bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, they're too afraid of this guy, except for a very very small handful. And if they get trounced, well, you know what? We shut, we kick their mouth shut. And we still lost. 
you know, you, you know, it's okay to have ideals that are different than mine, but it's not okay to, to allow a person, a leader of the free world to espouse racist, you know, homophobic, xenophobic views, allow white nationalists to do what they want to do, but call it other people for what they say. And that's my hope. Mm-hmm. That brings us to a different point. Like we we've kind of focused on 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 the debate. That's been the big crux of this conversation. And like we've said, there hasn't been um, that much we can say about it because it's July 2019. Well, it's August now, but when this happened, it was July 2019. But we're gonna we're gonna segue what Dan's saying right into two words: Steve King, <laughs> the GOP has not pulled punches when it has come to calling out Steve uh, Steve King. Uh, granted, he did say there'd be no people if it weren't for rape and incest, um, which uh, was not smart, but he's well known for being racist. He's been kicked off of committees in Congress. Only recently. Um, it, it, yes, only recently. You know, He tried to clap back at, at Beto and talks about heartbeat bills and all this abortion stuff, but there was a picture that came out from one of his town halls that went on Um in Iowa and there were two people there and I'm not a hundred percent sure if they were a supporters B members of the press or C people just there because they wanted to hear the crazy shit Steve King might say like that's 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 the the position he's in so why is the GOP going to condemn Steve King but in the same vein completely ignore Donald Trump like why do you think that is like y'all can jump in. This is the, why? Because Steve King is not the president of the United States. Yeah, that's what I thought. What was that? Said. It, still, I mean, that doesn't make that okay. It doesn't make it okay, oh. but Steve King holds what power? Well, plus Steve King's not a bully. Doesn't have the pulpit Trump has. Yeah. You know, Donald but, Trump tonight tweeted about a Fox News host who was critical of him. You know, well, Trump. Uh, Juan Williams, is that the name right? I have no idea. I hadn't seen that yet. I, yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. But if you if you're critical of Trump, it's like you literally get attacked on Twitter or on you know in the media. Yeah, and you and praise him, you literally get out. You're you know Juan Williams. Yeah, you, you praise him, you're like the best person of all time. You get thank you notes from him. Because Congress yeah. knows that. That must be why Kim Jong Un keeps writing yeah. Donald Trump oh, notes. By the way, these Love people letters. know. These people have have no. He's very easy to read. If you praise him. You, know, you look at you kiss his, kiss his ass. You know you get whatever you want from him. They'll give you the the freaking nuts farm. Yeah, Congress knows that their position can live and die with within the fingers of Donald Trump. And and that's that's unfortunate. Like yeah. I mean, don't you you'd think that if they all got together and were like, man, we're really sick of this guy. Like he is making us look really really bad. I'm not racist. I just have my views. But this dude's out there like, I mean, <laughs> if Trump was impeached tomorrow and went to the Senate, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be um, convicted or, or thrown out of office. He wouldn't be. No, it wouldn't. And, uh, Mitch McConnell, McConnell yeah. would see to that. But wouldn't Mike, Mike Pence be a Good better? Good old Moscow Mitch. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for that one. Wouldn't Pence be a better better candidate in next year than Trump? Less controversial, I, at least. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I mean, no, no, that's a good take because Pence has been been really quiet. Um, he, he, you have, you don't hear much from him. Like the biggest thing that anybody's heard about Mike Pence in a while was him, his flight turning around and coming home. 
Like he yeah. stays under the radar. So even if Donald Trump gets impeached and ejected from office, which looks less and less likely as each day goes by, um, I mean, Pence might be a, a better candidate than him. Yes, running. But I think that, you know, he he's his reputation is done. I, and I mean, Pence has other other, you know, scars on him. You know, it's not OK to think that conversion therapy one works or two is OK. So, I mean, Pence, Pence has some bad shit in there, too. And he's done some some dumb stuff. Like, I mean, going to the football game, knowing <laughs> players are going to kneel and then leaving and then making a big deal about it. Mike Pence didn't do that because he wanted to. Mike Pence did that because Donald Trump told him to. And and, and that's and that's the difference. And right there is the difference between Steve King and, and Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, just the the whole the whole there would be nobody left if it wasn't for rape and incest thing blew my mind maybe if you were a Habsburg in like 1500 that would be kind of there like maybe not the rape part but definitely the incest part um you know, yeah but we saw how well that worked out tongue and die, so. yeah well you know there's not a king in Spain <laughs> <laughs> I'll point out one thing about Steve King. He was the uh, uh, election chairman for Ted Cruz in 2016. So way to go, Mr. Cruz. Yeah, Cruz. Openly racist, misogynistic douchebag. (laughs) You allowed to to run your campaign or whatever he did. Well, I mean, he also let Donald Trump say his dad killed JFK. But you know, it is it is it is what it is. That's just that's just the election and to to and i have been hating myself for saying it and i was super shocked when some of the stuff i've seen but bearded ted cruz is not the same as old ted cruz (laughs) (laughs) like he got i mean less repulsive i guess well yeah but that he looks less like grandpa monster but um no no eddie eddie monster grandpa monster he looks like eddie he looks like grandpa monster you're wrong we disagree on that one we're gonna, yeah, sure <laughs> sure daniel sure um so <laughs> so um i mean like that's another change again you can attribute that to beto changing politics like he made he he in at least in texas because of the way he ran things and if we can do that in the rest of the country he held the republicans accountable like ted cruz had to win that election with a little help from the machines mm. but ted cruz had to win that election and it's like you've seen it in some of the things he's he's done because AOC tweeted something and he retweeted it and was like, sounds good to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like that that was mind blowing. The fact that like I'm sure Donald Trump went through a roof. You're talking to them. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's that's a that's a I mean, it's a big change way different than anything we we we've seen from him before and since we're bringing up aoc and the squad um two of its members were on the um unfortunate end of donald trump's most recent racist tirade um when trump uh called netanyahu and told them not to that they not to let them into to israel um that's representative Ilan Amar and representative uh rashida talib rashida talib has family there you know if you have people who are kind of against what you're doing 
and they want to come see it for themselves so that they can like actually have a, a, a you know, they, they want to define their opinion based off of actually seeing what the hell is going on. And then you bar them from coming in. They might have been right about you in the first place. That's all I'm going to say at that. Like, I mean, I don't know how Israeli politics work. I've never been there. I'm going to go ahead and you know defer to Daniel. Daniel has been to Israel. Nine years ago, I was there. Yeah. Listen, Israel is a democratic nation. It's a sovereign nation. Um, Israel does rely on the U.S. for a lot of aid. Uh, the Iron Dome was funded by President Obama, um, which Iron Dome, if you don't know, is basically shoots down missiles, rockets that are launched by Hamas uh, from Gaza or, or the West Bank. And, uh, and Tlaib's uh, grandmother lives in the West Bank, which is a settlement in Israel, and that's been a big of contention for the last several years if you recall in 2010 or 09 biden went to israel with the intention of stopping the settlements like that day uh vice president biden and that day Netanyahu announced more settlements that's basically the issue is with israel and how and is the settlements that's why there's been for the last how many years there's been issues with, with them um but you know and of course we got to go back to i guess was it last in the end of july when uh, Trump told them to go back to their their countries or their, their um whatever. Oh, the yeah. the send them back. Yeah. That's been yeah. it's been a couple so, weeks. It was before yeah. three um, of Americans. Yeah, AOC is from the Bronx. Tlaib is from uh, Detroit, and the only one who and um citizen. She's the only she's a U.S. citizen, and she's not from. We just like she she she. <laughs> She's the only one that, like, I guess that that applied to. She she's still a un- Somalia, she, yeah. she was a refugee. Like, Listen, there's a, issues with I have issues with Omar and Talib, and they're they they're they're pro BDS, which basically is the stance to boycott Israel over the settlements. Um, that's a tricky subject that I don't think we want to get into right now. Um, it's Israel again is a sovereign nation, and it needs to be held accountable. Uh, I don't agree as a Jewish person and with family. My wife has family in Israel with boycotting a country. In that sense, it does appear to be anti-Semitic to some people. Um, but, you know, Israel also should not be banning American citizens from coming to the country just because they disagree with you. Oh, and, and at the behest yeah, of the, uh, the, the president, president of the yeah. United and States not, of America, as, absolutely not. I think Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister, I think he was going to let them in. And then when, you know, President Trump opened his big, fat, disgusting mouth, he gave in to him. Um, and in fact, I mean, I, if Israel wants to be the 51st state, I mean, and that's a problem. Gr- Greenland, Greenland yeah. isn't taking it. <laughs> um, but even even Bernie Sanders, uh, he who is he has family in Israel. He lived in Israel. He's he's Jewish. I don't know how Jewish he is in practice per se, but he even said Israel can't. We should if Israel wants to uh, prohibit our citizens from entering. Maybe we should cut off their aid. Talk about their aid. You know, it's a problem. You know, yeah, especially when 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 we help fund yeah. them, you can't, you shouldn't be, especially to, to be but, sitting congresswoman. Imagine, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, listen again, Talib and, and Omar, you can talk, you can be critical, you can not agree with their beliefs, but like you said to start, to excellent point. If they're against something of you, bring them in. Yes, the Palestinians do things to the Israelis that are, you know, they attack, they suicide bomb, they send rockets, they stab. There's a lot of big issues there. But you should show them what Israel's doing, the, the progress is made, the 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 um the science the, the science that we've pushed, the they've pushed, I'm not really Israeli. Um, just show them what Israel stands for. 
and and that's a it's a good uh, a a uh, a real good point. And you know, we were talking about you know this whole send them back. Um, I actually have an, a nominee that I'd like to personally send back, and that would be Ken Cuccinelli. Can we send him back to New Jersey? <laughs> would you guys willingly him take him? Don't bring him back no. here. <laughs> oh no, no. Wait, I thought he's from he's from Jersey or Staten Island. I believe he's from Edison. <laughs> too close to me. No. And then said, like, somehow he made it, or like one of the bumblefucks of the South Jersey. <laughs> I should fine. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I read Edison. myself. No, I think I. Thanks I think, for sending him here. Yeah, I think I'm not ringing a bell. I'm sorry. I do apologize for that. Yeah, and thank you. Um, as, Listen, I had family. A duly elected representative <laughs> of the city state. That's <laughs> a little bit of Ghostbuster yes, humor in there for you. Listen, yeah, I, we accept your apology. I I have family who came in from in Ellis Island, um, at least several great grandparents, and it's just mind-numbingly frustrating what this administration stands toward immigration, especially Stephen fucking Miller, who like me has is Jewish as Russian ancestors who only came here because they're accepted as refugees. My grand my great grandparents my 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 grandmother's family was persecuted, might have been raped by the, the Russians, and they came here because to get away from that. To, like, to stop these people from coming in, to changing, to stand on your feet. You think my family had, had money coming to, from Russia? Probably not. Most of these people didn't. It's just, it's just frustrating that that's where we're coming and people are allowing it. Neither did mine. My, my great, great, great grandfather was uh, Russian. At least we think he was either Russian or Yugoslavian. We think he was Russian and he came to Yugoslavia, but we know for a fact that he came through Ellis Island. And one of the most the, the most beautiful things that comes out of that is his sister writes this letter. He wrote she wrote this letter back home talking about the Statue of Liberty and seeing it as she was coming in. And that's what that represents. And that is what somebody like Ken Cuccinelli is trying to take away. Uh, he's and it's it's barbaric. It's monstrous um, to to it's bastard. It's not. It's a completely un-American. Um, and and this is the way I uh, I, I put it. You know, if if, um, if if Trump found his Goebbels in Stephen Miller, he found his Himmler in Ken Cuccinelli. Mm-hmm. Ken Cuccinelli was in this super anti-immigration. Um, this came, has come out in the last couple of weeks since he decided to open his mouth, um, which is always unfortunate. I can't believe <laughs> CNN paid that guy for as long as they did, by the way. You paid him, CNN. You paid him. That's not my fault. I don't work for CNN. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I know. But he came here, Daniel. I'm sorry. You're responsible. Listen, listen. We took you in. <laughs> we molded you. That's and, true, and and you sent me back just fine. Thank you. Uh, but I don't you know, think that's Jersey a big problem, and you can see where a lot of this. I don't think they did either. Um, <laughs> hey, they got a better deal if they traded Ken Cuccinelli for me. I mean. Pfft, <laughs> think they made out pretty well but like that's that's one of those you're really seeing the racism ramping up and i know we 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 started this talking about the debates and we've really run the gamut of a lot of different things that are going on and that are important to the world but that and that all comes in the shadow of of um el paso and dayton and that and that completely threw out the window you know, the second, the first two debates, you're going to see a completely different debate stage on, um, you know, the second and 
on the second and third debates. Now, um, I know both of you guys aren't necessarily better supporters. You like him. Um, my wife has, by the way, Hannah has at one point in time said that she would. Did, did you not tell me that he is? Uh, he, he's he's definitely moved the needle for you as, as your number one. Yeah, I think are, so. are we clear on that? All right. Well, to both of you guys, um, just real fast. Um, Dan said, just sent me a text <laughs> message that said, I'll be right back. Don't question me because I was about to wrap this up. Um, so we're going to sit here for a second and wait for him to come back. He's literally wrapping it up and asking you a question. I can hear you banging. I know it's not. Maybe. (laughs) I'm going to have to do a lot of editing with this one. You have to pause this for me. Oh, we have to pause it for you. Well, it was so fucking long that I had to go for another my, my charger. <laughs> All right, reset. Okay, so no, we can go longer. I'm fine. No, but no, no, you're you. good. I, I was literally wrapping it up. Like I was, I didn't uh, know you had left until then. I was actually going to wrap it up right now. Did we finish everything you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we hit all of them. Um, okay. But the last thing I want to do bring to you guys before we wrap up. Um, is and like I just so before we wrap it up um, I know you guys aren't exactly um, Beto supporters although um, I have brought you Hannah have not around brought to around. the Beto side and right now her number one <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let Beto take credit yeah. for that one keep your fighting um, keep your fighting don't take, don't take credit for <laughs> if you hear any things you did not do on your own Oh, well, it was worth a shot. Well, I, I can tell you now that she's she's said unto me that Beto is her number one, but um, not necessarily for Dan. I want to know from your perspective, seeing what Beto has done since August 3rd to now, what do you think? What what do you, what do you think about the change you've seen in him, Dan? I think I mentioned before, I'm pretty, I was pretty impressed with his, his recent um, showings. Like I said, he's better... In, in Zelma, in the wild, when he's responding, when he's talking to people, when he's dealing with the issues, when he's getting his message across without having to fight nine of the people on stage. And I don't know how to totally explain. I'm not, I, I was a pretty big battle fan when he was running for Senate. I still am a big battle fan. But there's so many, it's, it's hard to make a decision for me right now. There's so many great candidates out there. Not so many, but five or six people I think could take on Trump and could win. Um, you know, I do like Warren, I do like, I like Harris, um, and Booker, you know, being one of my, one of my peoples, you know, I represent that, but you know, it's just, it's, it's difficult because, you know, he is a very strong candidate and I think he would do a great job in the general. Um, but I don't know if there's one thing, you know, that could change me right now or sorry, but like he's, he has shown his, you know, his renewed confidence, the fact that, you know, he's not afraid to take, you know, take somebody on to call out the bullshit. Well, he's, he, you can definitely tell that they're letting Beto be Beto because he's brought cursing back. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard multiple fuck bombs from him. He said shit. Yeah. Um, in the this the speech that he gave on Thursday morning, uh, last Thursday morning, or yeah, this Thursday morning, whichever, whenever he gave that speech, which was Thursday, was was on a Thursday, by the way. Um, he said shittiest. So like he's definitely in his own element. He's definitely feel he they're letting Beto be Beto and it is working. Um, that's how I feel about that. So H- Hannah, um, like how do you how do you what what do you what do you have to say about like what you've seen from him as of as of recently since since El Paso? Because you it's definitely a change. That is definitely a turning point. As unfortunate as as it is, it is definitely was. Yeah, like, I mean, we're, he's we're, just fired up. He's he's. I feel like he has. I feel like he feels like he has a, 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 a purpose now, like a defined purpose. Like he is the crusader for like, he took what happened in El Paso personally and rightfully so. I mean, that's where he grew up. That's where he's raising his kids. Like he and his kids could have been in that Walmart, you know, like I, he's taking it personally and he's taking a, it feels more personal now. He feels more relatable now because things feel more personal. Like I've always, I've always felt like he was very relatable, but I think he's more comfortable in it now because he is feeling very attached to what he's saying now. Not that he ever felt detached, but I think it's more prominent now that he is here and he is fired up and he is going for it. Yeah. He is laser focused. Every, yeah. he has been on every show that he can put his face on and it is Donald, it is going at Donald Trump. It is going at the issues. And I appreciate um, he is laser focused. Keeping it real. You know, like I can't, I can hardly <laughs> get through I, a, I, a sentence without dropping a cuss word. Like, and I mean, and I know that's a really trivial thing, but I mean, it's a different, it's different politics than we see normally. And it's not even, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't even well, feel like Well, and it means more to us, it's, too. It's, it feels like there's this guy that was affected by this thing that happened in his hometown, and he's probably, you know, like, questioning, questioning his own mortality in it, like, holy shit, I could have been at that Walmart, and he is taking it upon himself to do something about it. And it's commendable. And all of the, like, cheesy things that I used to do, and I don't want to call them cheesy, but, like, the very political or campaigny things that I used to do, like, or used to talk about doing, like, I kind of value those a little bit more now because I see his, like, real, genuine, yeah, yeah. You know it's real. It feels real. It looks real. Yeah. It's it's definitely something that we it's haven't kind of seen like, in um, You know, you've got I should know yet. how many fucking counties there are in Texas by now. 54. 54. Yeah. 254. Like he says, you know, we went to every one of the 254 counties no matter how red, how blue, how urban, how how rural, whatever. And it's just kind of like, why is that not the norm? Why is that not the standard in politics? You know, you talk all the time about, or all these politicians talk all the time about, you know, reaching people that 
feel disenfranchised and all of this. So fucking go and talk to them. You know? I don't know. And that's, yeah. and that's what better work does. Like I said, he went to a gun show, mm-hmm. and and that's that actually brings up a good point. And we're gonna we're gonna end on this point because you know we're millennial, millennials and, and Gen Xers, and we don't have a problem with foul language. Mm-hmm. Like I curse like a sailor, my wife curses like a sailor. My son is worse than both of us. <laughs> I gotta say that. <laughs> we got fucking just food assholes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's. He's a good boy. He's a nice, sweet boy. Um, Twitter loves him. Um, but like, we, we appreciate that. Like it feels more real to us. Um, like if somebody like a, a, a Joe Biden threw it out there, like I would feel disingenuous at this point, but I just, I don't know. It feels real. And that's like, he's, he feels like one of us. It's like one of us finally said, you know, I'm not going to take it anymore. And and we're not going to take it anymore. And I'm going to do something about it. Are you coming with me? And all of us said, yes, we're going with you. Fuck yes. Let's do this. <laughs> he's the Moses of this election. <laughs> he's, he's, I'm on board. He, yeah. <laughs> that better and, I'm on board. And that's, <laughs> like, and that's how he got the Jewish vote. Can I make one more quick point before we, we wrap it up? Yep, yep. Um, Go ahead. Like what Hannah said. I think one thing we learned from 2016 is you should really strive to be yourself. Not to do use canned lines, not to listen to consultants. Be who you want to be. You know, the best thing to do is show people who you are, how how genuine and real you are. If you're fake, we're gonna know what you're fake, and that was part of Hillary Clinton's problem. Um, that's why people like Beto. And I, like, I know I like to plug Warren a lot. She has to me some of that genuineness of she really wants to be president. I'm not saying she's a right fit, better or worse than Beto, but she, they're the two candidates right now who I think are the most real are you know don't have as much so much bullshit going on and they tell you tell you like it is i i can i can agree with that I know to a point with warren fan. and here here's my here's my one thing with warren that i i i hadn't thought about and since we're doing the debate episode and you know we're pulling in everything from everywhere because it all kind of ties back to that she talks about being a teacher like i don't when was she in an actual classroom because i know she was a harvard professor and i'm not gonna knock her for that because hell yeah i would love to be a college professor but being a college professor at harvard Mm -hmm. is not the same thing as being a middle school teacher in newport news in any school system, it's just, it's just different. So you, it's, I, I, and I, I noticed that I, I don't see her making those connections too much. I do see her. No, saying, I you think know, it I was, was genuine teacher, when she went but to being, that, um, teacher conference and wherever it was, do you know what I'm sure. talking about? Yeah. No, like she, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I the, um, that was knew the woman that was not, yeah, I think, NEA bro, I, think I watched that she, whole thing. I think she knew the person who was moderating them. Like that was like a genuine connection with the person on that stage. Um, but I say this, I mean, teacher, like no matter, like you also said to me, like when was the last time she was in a classroom? Like, do you, do you think that should you retire in 20 years that you automatically turn off your teacher? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think you automatically turn off your teacher. I'm just saying that being a um, being a teacher in a classroom in 2019 is not the same as being a teacher in a classroom um, in even the 1990s. Like even as a student remembering that it's complete, it's a completely it's a different environment, different kids, different culture, different technology, you know. 
No, and you're you're exactly right. And I'm trust me, I'm not knocking Warren. Mm-hmm. I, that was a genuine question that I didn't know the answer to. That I thought Dan may know uh, the answer to. Well, I just to. I don't honestly, but I just did some quick as you're talking. She was going to be a teacher, and then she quit or she stopped to marry somebody in the late sixties. Um, but yeah, she definitely was a Harvard law professor. Well, did yeah. she ever spend any time in a in an actual classroom? Like you mean like a public school, like K to twelve? Like a public school? I don't see that. And that see, and that that would that would be a problem for me as a teacher. Like, don't tell me that you know I know what it's like to be in a classroom every day because being in a Harvard classroom is not the same as being in a middle school classroom or a high school classroom. That's that that that, that to I me is problematic. That's a personal issue that you have it, to overcome. Well, again, in my opinion, yes, and you're and you're not. Well, you you actually get an opinion that matters when it comes to me. Fortunately, um, but um, no, you know, as a teacher and coming from that perspective, you know, I see that as a little bit disingenuous. But that's just me personally. It's not going to be other people, but. We can go. We can go ahead and uh, wrap it up on that, guys. Thank you. We'll be back at this. I'm going to put the de- the uh, debate team together again. The next <laughs> debate is in September, so and we're going to try to get it out a little bit, um, yeah. a little bit faster. I think we're going to have a little bit more to talk about. And if if what uh, Hannah's like she said, she's excited to see him on the stage. I am too. We'll see how this goes with this new, improved Beto Rourke. Uh, the uh, I guess if as Dan called him the Moses of <laughs> of the Moses of America. Um, hey, let's 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 see where this thing goes, man. Um, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for being here. And uh, guys, for all my listeners out there, let's make sure we are getting out, volunteering, donating every cent counts. And and don't forget, remember the watch parties. If you guys can attend or host a watch party for Beto's speech on Thursday, there are links to it online. There's links to it on his YouTube. Go invite your friends. If that's the first thing they see from him, it's a great thing for them to see. It was an amazing speech. But for now... I'm Chris, your host. Let's keep on looking ahead to better days.